The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Grove today. It is September 1st. Uh, it's so crazy. Yeah, some of you, you love fall, September 1st, ready to go. Um, Huskies got a win yesterday, so there's that. Cougars got a win yesterday. All right, let's fight. Just kidding. Um, Jadavion Clowney is a Seahawk now. Anybody else excited about that? I kind of was. Hey, I want to, uh, you have your blessing from your pastor to enjoy pumpkin spice lattes starting today. So if you already did last week, too soon. All right? So just want to give you a heads up there. Um, we're in a series called Stop Going to Church, and none of you are listening. So uh, just joking. That was a terrible joke. Um, no, today's part two, and uh, if you got a Bible, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can turn there. Um, always encourage Bible reading. In fact, I did mention last week a little bit about Bible reading, but I was part of, we were part of a cohort in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, and the comment was made that there's been a study recently that was done about Bible reading. And the comment was this, that for those that read their Bible three days a week or three times a week or less, their lives are almost no different than just the average individual who isn't part of church. But those that read their Bibles four days or more, there's a significant difference in how they live their lives. And I only say that just to encourage you or challenge you that if you don't have a regular habit of reading Scripture, I really want to encourage you to do that. And I've mentioned before that we put out an annual reading plan. You can click on it any time of year and jump in and read along with us. But I encourage you to be a regular Bible reader. Um, <clears throat> how many of you guys know uh, the story of Peter Pan? Just raise your hands. Hey, Peter Pan, and, and of course, uh, connected to Disney, which some of you guys get weak in the knees when you think of Disney. But Peter Pan um, is a story uh, of, of basically a boy who doesn't want to grow up. And um, it makes me think of those days in, in life for probably all of us where, where we're you know, not kids anymore, but we sometimes wish for those days when life was simpler, where your biggest stress was, you know, how do you get the chain back on your bike so you can ride it? Or you know, when somebody asked me what I want for my birthday, I want to make sure I know what to say. And that's kind of the epitome of, of the big deal in life. But most of us understand that things change. And a man is not just a boy who is larger and older, and, and a woman is not just a girl who is larger and older. And by the way, never describe a woman that way, okay? So just, just, just want to be clear that you don't turn to your neighbor and be like, yeah, hey, you don't elbow, don't do that, okay? But even Paul, at certain points, reminded the church as he was writing to churches he cared desperately about. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a chapter we, we many of us would know maybe as a love chapter, love is patient, love is kind. In verse 11, Paul says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. He goes on a chapter later to say this, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. The idea is this, that for you and I that have reached quote-unquote adulthood, and whether you want to say that's 18 or 20 or 21 or 25 or you know, when you can rent a car or get an Airbnb or whatever it is, um, when you reach adulthood, you all know and we all should understand that you really have to operate differently. And the idea of responsibility looks very different from a kid who's 13 to an adult who's 23, 33, 43. If you're still, as a 40-year-old, operating like you're 15, then failure to launch is your problem, Okay. But, but it's the whole idea that things change. People change. 
organizations change. In fact, somebody once said, the only thing that remains is that things change. And there's a lesson in Exodus that I want to take a look at as we jump into part two of Stop Going to Church. And the reason I want to look at this is because I think it will help us understand how we can walk in wisdom as an organization that has experienced significant change. So Exodus 18, I'm going to read a bunch here, and then we'll pray, and then we'll walk through this. But I'm going to start in verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses... That's not mine, but uh, it's not. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, came to him in the desert, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons, or her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and they went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done with Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hands of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of of God. So they celebrate God's graciousness. And then this is what I really want to focus in on today. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must, teach, uh, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as elders over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simpler cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. God, today, help us understand as an organization and this whole thing about change, it's a reality. That God, we want to look at things differently. We want to paint a picture appropriately for us as a whole church to, to get who we are, where we're going and what it looks like, God. I pray for clarity, even as we talk about it today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Exodus is literally the story of Israel getting out of captivity in Egypt and slavery and establishing themselves as a nation under the lordship of God. And so that's kind of this picture. Well, in Exodus 18, there's this whole thing of like Moses has been in charge. Moses has been their leader, and Moses, in one sense, is really stuck in a rut. He's been so busy doing all he's been doing, he hasn't stepped back to think, is there possibly a better way? And so all of a sudden, he gets word that his father-in-law is headed to town, and he greets him, and they're nice to each other, all that stuff. And and then uh, the next day, Moses goes out and, and takes his seat to do what he does to lead the people. And, and what you notice is that it says he served as judge. They stood around him from morning till evening. And on one hand, maybe Moses was, was doing all he was doing and all the people were coming to him and he was excited to show that he's trying to provide great leadership for everybody who needs an answer to what God's will is. And Jethro's looking on, and you can imagine maybe Moses feels a little bit like, hey, look at this. I mean, I'm, I'm a great leader. Check out all that I'm doing. And Jethro's looking on, and as they step back after the entire day has finished, remember Jethro showed up with him, and it sounds to me like he's been there the entire day watching all that's gone on, and and Jethro jumps in at one point, just like a good in-law would do, and has a question for him. (laughs) What is this you're doing for all the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening. And once again, like I said, Moses, stuck in a rut, his response is simply this, well, because they came to me, because somehow I have the answers to what they need to know, and so they came to me. And Moses' response is, or Jethro's response to Moses is, this isn't good. And maybe Moses does a double take, like, well, wait a minute, aren't you proud of me? I mean, look at all I've been doing. And Jethro doesn't really beat around the bush at all. Verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. And then he gives him some advice. And what I love about Moses as a leader, remember, he's the leader. He's the guy in charge. But what I love about Moses, and it's a great lesson for anybody in this room that has any form of leadership, is that Moses is humble. We learn, as you continue to read through scriptures, Moses was one of the most humble men who ever lived. And so Moses, as his father-in-law, has some advice for him, isn't like, who do you think you are? You're just my father-in-law. I'm just married to your daughter. We're good here. Why don't you just keep, you know, stay in your lane? But that's not what Moses does. Jethro says, listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representatives represented before God and bring their issues, their cases to him. What I love about this first step in advice is this. Jethro basically says to Moses, why don't you start in prayer? Why don't you begin in prayer? And it's a great reminder for every single one of us that whatever type of leadership you have, whether you're a parent and you have kids or or you're the boss over a couple of employees or you're the head honcho at the corporation you work at and everybody looks to you for direction, 
that there's something about the need for you to go, God, I'm not good enough. God, I don't know enough. God, I'm not smart enough on my own to figure this out. What I would love, Lord, is for you to impart to me some wisdom. What I need, God, is for you to direct me in my steps. And that's a great prayer, by the way, for you to pray every single day. God, I need you to direct my steps. So Jethro says, hey, why don't you start by bringing stuff before God? Why don't you pray about what's going on? And then he goes on to say, teach them, verse 20, the decrees and laws. Show them the way to live and the duties that they're to perform. He reminds leadership, Moses, your job is to impart wisdom to people that are following you. It's no different than what I get to do right now. It's no different than what you get to do as a parent. It's no different than what you get to do in a workplace where people look to you for direction. Are you taking the time to equip and empower the people around you, or are you just so busy going through the motions that people are just supposed to kind of know on their own and then you find yourself constantly frustrated because nothing is clear? These are great leadership lessons. There are books, there are you know, annals of books you could write on, on just this chapter alone. It says, teach them, show them how to live, the duties there to perform. And then he says, and he gives this filter, select capable men from all the people who fear God, trustworthy, hate dishonest gain. And I love, especially as you look at the, the New Testament, this is not just about men because we believe at the Grove Church that women have places of leadership. We see over and over in the New Testament that women were in places of leadership. The phrase is used, even in the New Testament, it wasn't just deacons as men, but even deaconesses, those who helped oversee serving and work that gets done. The idea that there were prophetesses, not just prophets. The idea females that would declare the word of God and teach people what God had to say. And so this is not just a verse about men in leadership. This is for all of us to understand. Here's some great filters for you. Are you capable? Do you have integrity? Do you fear God? Are you trustworthy? Do you hate dishonest gain? If you're looking for New Testament leadership parameters or, or, or guidelines for what it looks like to be a leader in, in a New Testament setting, Titus and Timothy both, Paul wrote to them what it means to be a leader in the church. I encourage you to take a look at those. But he says, select capable people. Men who fear God, trustworthy, hate dishonest gain. And then he says, appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. It's practical leadership. You've met people who are great at leading in a context of five or ten people. And you've met people who are great at leading in the context of fifties or maybe hundreds or maybe in the context of thousands. And, and, and there's something about understanding each person has a certain capacity, and that's okay. There are individuals with, with, with their ceiling maybe goes higher when it comes to their ability to lead, but Jethro literally says to Moses, select capable people that can lead certain groups by number. And it's no different in the context of church or work or even family that what it means for you to lead is different in different size contexts. So he gives them all, he says, have them serve as judges for all the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. Think about, you're talking people that number in the millions and somehow Moses is responsible to answer for every single one of them that needs something. 
I don't know what to do. What does God say? Go to Moses. Hey, him and I aren't agreeing about this. Go to Moses. Hey, my wife and I, we don't know. To, go to Moses. And they're sitting before Moses waiting all day sometimes. And I would imagine there was a time that it came, hey, we're closing up shop tonight. We're done. Come back tomorrow. He was like, I gotta wait till tomorrow now. And that's Jethro's point. Moses isn't walking in, in, in wisdom, being able to step back and look at the whole picture. He says, get, get individuals that can serve as judges for, for, for people. And, and if there's things that they can't figure out, they don't understand, they, they don't get what God maybe is saying, those are the ones that, that you can deal with. And then he gives some encouragement. That will make your load lighter because they'll share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. This is leadership. So why, why you bring this up in here today? Why in a series called Stop Going to Church? Because in part one, we specifically said, stop going to church and start being the church. That yes, it's biblical to, to come and gather and do this, that we can worship together, that we can pray together, that, that we can be encouraged and sharpened through scripture together, absolutely biblical. But you're not coming to see a show. You're not coming to be entertained. You're not coming for, for you know, those reasons. You're coming because as the church, we're built up and sent out to make a difference in the world that you and I live. So that was part one. But part two, after we say, you know, stop going to church, start being the church. Today, it's this, to be the church. We've got to be great at empowering others to serve and to lead. That's what Jethro was saying to Moses. You've got to empower others. And in our context, we've got to do that. It makes me think of, and this isn't about me, it makes me think of different individuals in this room. I think of Ronnie and, and Craig Anderson. I was talking with Ronnie a couple of days ago, and she's, they're, they're trying to do their best to take care of a couple of widows that have navigated the loss of a spouse and, and how they're caring and what they're doing and just being aware, and I love their hearts. It makes me think of Kara of Turner, who is a brand-new host team lead. And last week, she took that step for the very first time, and, and, I, and I heard this report, and I want to share this. When she showed up last week, she had a, a gift bag for everybody that was on host team. And she handed it to me, and there was a letter inside, and I want to read this letter to you. It says this, fourth Sunday host team, love God, connect with each other, serve all. Love that, that's our purpose, love God, connect with each other, serve all. My name is Cara Turner, and I am honored and humbled to have been asked to head up this team. I want you to feel welcomed, appreciated, and empowered to be a member of Sunday's group. Please feel free to call me or text me directly if you have any questions or need anything in the future. My phone number is, and I'm not giving it to you, okay. I have also put together a little something representing what we should be as a greeter for our guests. A gold bag, not real gold, but anyway. So a gold bag. Always treat our guests and each other like gold. Tea light. Let your light of Jesus shine brightly. Candy. Because we are sweet. Flarp. If you don't know what that is, Google it later. But it's something that makes a farting noise. Okay. Because we are children of God after all, let's remember to have fun. That's a letter she put in every bag. She gave it to everybody that was on host team last week going, hey, I'm new to this, but I want you to have a great experience, and I'm here for you. 
Once again, empowering people to lead because it doesn't just fall on a couple of shoulders. In the last 10 years, if you've been on this journey with us or 10 and a half years, 10 and a half years ago, we had one service on a Sunday, one gathering. And of course, we've grown since then and we've added gatherings and we currently have four on a Sunday. And it's a little crazy and times are short. I wish we had more time. We all do. But, but here we are. We've expanded outreach and the bridges that we've built, not only through iHeart during the summer, but throughout the year in partnerships with places like the Marysville Food Bank or the Everett Gospel Mission or, or Pregnancy Resource Center in Everett or our partnership with other churches in our area, that we value the outreach opportunities. Growing groups and, and getting people connected in life groups where discipleship and, and community happens. It's fun to even see some of the parties groups are having this summer because we don't put out the curriculum for summertime. We say just hang out, spend some time together. Moving to our, our, our kids' wing, we outgrew our old kids' wing off to my left over here, and so we, we renovated our, our, our wing in the, the north over there and, and opened up a space for kids because we wanted to create a great space for kids. We, we've got a campus now, which, by the way, next week is our one-year anniversary at our Snohomish campus, and, and we're going to celebrate in the next couple of weeks, and actually Andrew's going to be over here because he's been over there doing that thing, and I'm so proud of him and Amanda, Crystal, and, and the team that's over there. They're doing an incredible job, but one year already, and, and looking at what, what it means to expand to other campuses. This fall, you saw in the video earlier, starting a mops group, just wanting to see young moms getting connected and being built up and finding support from one another through Christ. It, it's been an amazing last 10 years, but remember what I said earlier? A man is not just a boy that's larger and older. That a woman is not just a, a girl who's larger, older. The Grove Church today is not just a larger version of the Grove Church years ago. And yes, absolutely, we believe God has blessed us to be a blessing. But as a larger organization, here's the truth. There are only so many connections each of us can make. There are only so many connections I can make or, or, or certain staff members can make. And, and with five services between Marysville and Snohomish, that's a big deal. I had somebody come up to me about a month ago and we were just talking life or whatever. And they just said, boy, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a heavy weight when you have, you know, five or, or five or 600 people that are part of the Grove Church. And I didn't, that wasn't the moment to say, well, hang on, let's talk about that. But here's the thing with, with four gatherings at Marysville and one in Snohomish on a Sunday, we averaged 1,350 people on a Sunday. And, and again, maybe you didn't, and I, just so you know, I'm not saying that to like brag. I want us to all understand because it's easy maybe to go, here's one gathering. And so there's, you know, I don't know, maybe 300 people in here right now. And so it's easy if you're part of one gathering to go, that, that's kind of how it goes. But, but it, it's, it's a larger entity than that. And that's between kids and adults on a Sunday. If you totaled everybody that, that's part of the Grove Church or everybody showed up on the same Sunday together, it's over 2,500 and possibly pushing 3,000 people that consider the Grove Church their home church. And, and that, that's, that's a, obviously a big number. But let me get honest with you. Sometimes it can look overwhelming between me and Jesus. And what I mean by that is this. In a church our size, I always have a family member that's dying. And I always have a, a, a struggling marriage that, that I care deeply about. Or, or people navigating addiction and, and pain and, and somebody that's always needing a visit or, or, or needing a prayer. And I shoulder that. And, and I'm not saying that to complain because here's the thing. I love it. 
But I've come to understand, and this is a journey that I want to take us on, I've come to understand that, that if I keep the weight on me and, and just bear that weight, that's not biblical. That's not healthy. And that's not helpful to this body. Larry Osborne, who's a pastor that's much further along than I am and I respect deeply, uses the analogy of Legos. And if, if each of us were just one block, it looks like this. Just one block. You got eight connection points. That's it. You don't get more connection points because you're one block. And so what, what do you do when you want to see people get connected? Well, if you're Legos, how does it work? You got to put a block and then put another block connected to that one. And then another block connected to that one and another block. Because then eventually you can build an entire body. That's kind of this picture right here. And so I know that some of you guys that can't see very well, that's not an actual person. That's actually a Lego person, okay? And by the way, we know it's a German Lego person because there's socks and sandals. So just a heads up right there. But the only way to build a body, if you're using the analogy of Legos, is all of the blocks have to be connected, but they can't always be directly connected to one another. And when we say stop going to church or, or you know, showing up to church instead of being the church simply means that everything is direct, directly connected to a pastor or to a key leader. And, and, and the simple fact is we have grown beyond that. Take hospital visits. And oddly enough, I love hospital visits. I really do. I love being able to go and, and care for somebody and, and minister and pray and encourage them and, and be there. And it's not just because you look disheveled so I feel better about myself. That's not why. It has nothing to do with that. You're like, that was horrible. Why did you even say that? Because I'm a horrible person. <laughs> but here's the question I have. What if I didn't show up because there are a lot of great and capable people that can? And it's not because I don't want to. In fact, to be honest, this is a really difficult conversation to have. And even putting together these notes, I struggle because what I don't want to do is, is, is be misunderstood that I'm somehow trying to get out of things or I don't want to do things. That is absolutely not my heart at all. It's just understanding that as a larger organization now, it can't operate the way that it always has. And yes, that pains me. Yes, that's difficult. No, I don't personally like it. But I also realize that, like I said a bit ago, God has blessed us. And we've seen some great seasons and incredible things. But it means I can't always remember everyone's name. But I try. That, that I want to know who your kiddos are, but I can't always know who the, all the kiddos are. And yet I want to, but I, can't, I wish I could. The only way for our future to grow bigger is realizing that my arms can't wrap around all of it, but ours can. And that's the picture I want us to understand. And, and please understand me. This isn't, well, let's just become bigger and bigger and bigger for that reason, no. But absolutely, we want to steward what God has entrusted to us to make the difference God has asked us to make throughout Snohomish County. And that involves all of us. We use language like it takes all of us for we to win on purpose. When you look at all that God has done, it is pretty fun. It is pretty awesome. But here's what I know. There are capable people here right now 
that God is calling to step up. I'm just going to say it. That maybe you're new, and, and maybe this doesn't apply to you today, but if you've been connected to the Grove, I, wanna, I want you to feel the challenge of that sentence. There are capable people here right now that God is calling to step up. It, it's just like with Moses, that, that, that empowering others to get involved and, and make a difference is, is what we're asked to do. And I'm asking every single one of us over the next couple of weeks to prayerfully consider what that would mean for you. Because here's the truth. Yes, we have other campuses that we want to launch, planting churches in other places. We have an expansion of our current facilities on the horizon. And we've talked about this whole property thing and pray because we want an end. And I've said, I think there's an end coming and I want there to be an end. And I can't announce today that there's an end, but I think there's an end coming. But pray because I can't announce it yet. Because I don't know, but I think so. But maybe, I don't know. Like, what was that? He, I, that's it. Is he having a seizure? Okay, anyway. We, we have dreams of, of connecting students and, and, and doing tutoring, serving and leading opportunities coming up all over the place. A, a growing kids ministry that we just redid some staffing and added another staff member to our Grove Kids because we want to provide incredible, incredible environments for kids. We got a brand new youth pastor, um, Jesse and Joy Dennis. I'm going to ask them to stand up real quick. They're right here. And, and this has been their first week. So Jesse and Joy, and we're excited about them being here. Because the truth is, even in the interview process, understanding that, man, they have a passion for students to learn who Jesus is, to be connected to, to Christ, and that that matters. So they're dreaming and, and, and praying and strategizing, and that's awesome. But again, there's individuals in here that you're cold, and God is going to put on your heart. You need to jump in and, and, and come alongside of them. A few of us have even thrown out the idea over the last few months of, you know, on Sundays we're, we're, we're stretched for space but what if, what if we did like a weekday service? What if we did like a Thursday night gathering because there's plenty of people that their schedule doesn't work around weekends, unfortunately, and so they're busy and working and all that stuff. But if we had maybe a Thursday night and maybe we jump in and ask a bunch of you to go, hey, why don't you come with us and launch a Thursday night gathering? We're dreaming and thinking about that. We have a, a former missionary that I met with a little while back that has a passion to, to plant. Basically, it's a Grove Church campus, but it would be an international church. A gathering of, of multi-ethnic people just, just coming, being cared for and loved. And, and, and I'm going, hey, what does that look like? Colleen's right here. Colleen and Randy Martin are great missionaries in Indonesia for, for decades, part of our church forever. But they're back. And she's going, hey, what does this even look like? I, I don't know, but I think God might be in it. Dreaming, praying, thinking, strategizing about what could be. And yes, these are awesome days. We've seen God do really incredible stuff. And I think of this, where we were once struggling and dreaming, Today we're thriving, but we're still dreaming. The only question I'm going to pray that I have for you is this. How is God showing you that you're capable to be part of the mission with us? Father, today, God, this isn't about hype. God, this isn't about me trying to abdicate leadership and, and somehow getting out of certain things. This is about understanding that, Lord, as we continue to dream and pray and hope and, and get vision that we really believe is from you, that, God, it takes all of us for we to win. And that, that as, as maybe vague as that is, the goal in this series is, is for the bullseye to become smaller and smaller, that we're more and more specific week by week of what does that look like. And my prayer right now is that for all of us, we can walk out of here and over the next two weeks, we're praying, God, what is my part? God, how am I capable? What does it look like for me to take a step? 
And I look forward to, Lord, how you're, you're even putting in our hearts what that strategy for us as a team to empower, to equip, to give simple steps, easy, obvious, strategic steps that God last week stopped going to church, start being the church. This week, understanding that it's our role to equip and empower people to serve and lead and that God, every one of us has a role to play. I pray your spirit would speak to us as we get more specific week by week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.